As expected, wildcard weekend had drama, upsets, historical performances, and it had a couple routes. Which teams punched their tickets to the divisional round? It's the Lockdown NFL Podcast. I've got all that and more. We're recapping wildcard weekend right now. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Fired up. It is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Bo Brock, daily host of Locked On Arizona Cardinals. Cards have a huge game tonight to wrap up the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Network for great daily content and insight, breaking news. You can follow me to Bo Brock at Bob Brack on Twitter for great Cardinals insight. Thanks for making the Locked On NFL podcast your first listen for the entire 2021 NFL season and now the 2022 postseason and beyond. We've got great stuff headed your way after the Super Bowl. You can count on that. You can lo- count on the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Network for great off-season insight. Today, of course, we observe the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on MLK Day. But, of course, we also get into the Wild Card Weekend, which yielded a lone upset. And I'll tell you which underdog advanced the divisional round. But the main theme, unfortunately, was some lopsided affairs. There was history made on uh, one of the games. An incredible offensive performance and just... Two games over the weekend were decided by one score. Super Wild Card Weekend kicked off with a pair of teams seeking their first playoff victories far too long. The Cincinnati Bengals and Las Vegas Raiders. And it was the Bengals advancing to the divisional round, their first playoff win in three decades. Jermaine Pratt picked off Derek Carr with 12 seconds remaining on the goal line to seal the deal for Cincinnati's 26-19 win over the Raiders from Paul Brown Stadium. The Bengals scored 20 points in the first half. The final score of the half for the Bengals was a controversial one. It was a call that there was an errant whistle as Joe Burrow threw a TD pass to Tyler Boyd. That call stood, and the Bengals had the lead 26 going into the locker room. And the seven points ended up being the difference in this contest. As for Joe Burrow, 244 yards passing. He threw for two TDs in the win. Cincinnati's first postseason victory since January of 1991. Where were you? As for Vegas, Derek Carr, 310 yards in the air in the loss with a touchdown in that game-sealing interception. The Raiders haven't won their playoff game since 2002. Jake Lisko, of course, locked on Bengals. Him and his co-host, James Rapine, they were breaking it down, recapping the big victory. You know, Jake, when I look at this, the, the Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson era was shut out. The Andy Dalton, AJ Green era was shut out. How was the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase era able to kind of figure it out and get it done in their first playoff appearance together? You know, I think that the Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson era was robbed a little bit that first time around in 2005 in particular. But Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase just don't shy down from the moment. This team, unlike the Marvin Lewis era teams, doesn't have primetime issues, doesn't have spotlight issues. And I don't know if that's a fair criticism or not of that Marvin Lewis regime in Cincinnati. But Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are ready for the moment and are just special players. Too. And I, I think their confidence showed up in a big way on Saturday. 
It was a gutsy defensive effort from Cincy. And if you look at this game as a whole, it wasn't their best game. You and James were talking about that on the recap uh, podcast. And you have to appreciate that the young quarterback, Joe Burrow, in his postgame comments, he wasn't really exactly, you know, pumped about the performance. Of course, survive in advance. But you have to appreciate that they know they didn't play well. Is it encouraging that the team has got this business-like mentality going forward? I think absolutely. For the fans of of the Cincinnati Bengals, it's a massive moment, 31 years in the making. For the players on the Cincinnati Bengals, most of them weren't alive the last time the Bengals won a playoff game, weren't on the team for the playoff drought under under Marvin Lewis, were kids when Marvin Lewis had most of those playoff appearances, and some of them still are kids, are in their early 20s. But I think that for the players, there is this expectation, there is this culture and CJ Uzama has said it in, in the post-game locker room celebrations. The standard for this team is the Super Bowl. And so while for fans there might be a feeling of playing with house money, this team has very high expectations for itself. If they advance to the next round, to the AFC Championship game, we're going to see Zach Taylor back in the bar handing out game balls to the city of Cincinnati? Well, they're going to be on the road, I think, no matter what at this point. So I don't know if we'll see Zach Taylor doing that again right away. But I thought that was a really cool moment. Went out to the Mount Lookout Tavern, which he said he's driven by after work for, you know, when he's driving home for the last three years. And he's had this idea of of rewarding the city for their dedication. And it shows a great awareness of what fans of the team have gone through. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. I don't think you see that very much in professional sports. And I don't know if we'll see it every week because at some point that's the standard and that's what you hold yourself to. But for the first one, it it was a huge moment for the city. And I thought that was really special. The Bengals long playoff win drought. It ends 31 years and the Raiders continues and it can now buy a pack of cigarettes if it wants to 18 years for the silver and black. But despite losing the Raiders, they faced a lot of adversity and they answered pretty well, making the playoffs despite having to move off of John Gruden in 2021. Your boy Q, of course, locked on NFL host and your locked on Raiders host joins us here. Q. Derek Carr, he throws the pick, you know, on the nine-yard line. It's the game-sealing pick, heartbreaking. How was Cincy able to kind of keep the Raiders chasing all game long? That's a great question, but that was exactly what they did. They they did uh, have them chase all game long. You know, the Raiders just weren't very good executing in the red zone, and that's something that they've really struggled with all season long. And that's I ask that question, like I say that's a good question because that's the question we've been asking all year, you know, as far as the media goes. Like, how do you get into the end zone? How do you convert seven instead of three? And right. they just don't have the answer for it. And, uh, you know, they just – as much as they can move the ball between the 20s, man, once you get into that red zone, once it's money time, man, they're just not able to cash in. And there's a reason why Daniel Carlson, their field goal kicker, got a four-year extension this off- <laughs> or this season because uh, he's been so, so good. He's been so stinking good, but uh, you, he's been used more than they really wanted to use him. Yeah, three or less is a lock for the for the Raiders, but uh, any more than that, it uh, unfortunately didn't break their way this time, but they continue to fight, and they've kind of taken on, you know, the spirit of their interim head coach, Rick uh, Basaccia, has he made the case to continue on as the Raiders head coach? I think he's made the case to get a good interview, a a legit interview, (laughs) and have a good conversation about it and maybe have him roll out a game plan of what he would do with the whole offseason to himself and with the whole training camp going into it, knowing he's the guy. Uh, I think the conversation could be there, uh, but I think he has to show a whole lot to Mark Davis and anyone else to show 
why he would be that guy. I think that the Raiders go out there and they try to get a home run higher. If they can get that guy, they bring him in. If they can't, then maybe they roll it back one more year. But uh, I would be very, I don't know, I would really investigate every option before I just jump to say Rich Bisacci is going to be the guy. Would you say success for 2021 with the silver and black? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just with all the you know adversity that they had to deal with, nobody, including myself, thought that they'd even be a playoff team after all, everything they went through. I thought, oh, it's a wrap, man. They're going to play the rest of their season out, and they're just going to uh, evaluate some talent, figure out what they're going to do, move forward, and probably blow the whole thing up. But instead, they fought, and they got to 10 wins and a first playoff burst since 2016, the first one of Derek Carr's career. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's a success, but it's not – it's not the end goal, you know, so obviously they wanted to keep on playing. They want to be talking about next weekend. They're not. The Bengals are moving on. And uh, so the, the Raiders have some questions to answer and they need to continue to build that team. There was less drama in the second game on Saturday. More of a laugher, historic, but still kind of a laugher as the Buffalo Bills are moving on to the divisional round with a 47-17 route of the Patriots in the AFC wildcard game from Highmark Stadium, Josh Allen just balled out. Torch New England secondary for 308 yards, five touchdowns in the win, more touchdowns than incompletions. Buffalo scored touchdowns on seven of their nine possessions with kneel downs in the end of each half and their two scoreless as your their two scoreless drives. Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback, finished the night. 232 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions in the loss, which is the most lopsided loss for the New England Patriots in the postseason since 1986. Over 30 years. Unbelievable to talk about it. From the Draft Network in Locked On Bills, Joe Marino. And we'll get to uh, Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots here shortly. Yeah, truly historic performance went down on Saturday night. The Buffalo Bills were unstoppable. That offense, Josh Allen, Buffalo became the NFL's first team in the Super Bowl era to score in each of its seven possessions, and that didn't end with a kneel down. Josh Allen, as far as QBR goes, I think the highest rating, Joe, you can correct me on this or if I'm wrong, but the highest QBR since they started uh, having that stat? Yeah, the highest QBR since 2006 when it became... A stat, um, yeah, a historic performance for Josh Allen. And, you know, Bo, it's not hyperbole. It literally was one of the best offensive performances in NFL history, one of the best quarterback performances in NFL history. More touchdown passes, five, than incompletions, four. (laughs) Seven drives, seven touchdowns. I mean, when we say things like literally couldn't be stopped, I mean, that's what happened. They couldn't stop him. And I think there's a lot of variables that make it even more impressive when you consider it's the third time in seven weeks that Josh Allen has faced Bill Belichick. This is a familiar opponent. It was five degrees. You know, we're talking about negative in terms of the wind chill. And so Josh Allen went out and I think put the NFL on notice and said, Hey, I'm here in the playoffs and you got to deal with me. Right. Exactly. The bills mafia didn't care that it was about five degrees. Josh (laughs) Allen, that offense didn't care. I mean, how were they able to really do it against the top five defense in the Patriots though? Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where New England has some issues on defense. Now, I know statistically they're very good, but Mm -hmm. their front seven is missing guys that can really dictate the action and really get downhill and attack. Uh, They don't have the speed at safety that they've typically had. McCourty's kind of showing his age, and they don't have a slot player. And I think they just are missing some ingredients that have been masked by the success of their rushing offense and some of their offensive efficiency this year. But I think New England's just missing some things on, on defense and Brian Dable's got their number at offensive coordinator and Josh Allen presents a lot of problems. And um, there's a lot of built up uh, 
something, if you will, when it comes sure. to this Bills side of things based on what happened over the last 20 years. The Bills have won four of the last five against New England. And, you know, the only blip on the radar was the uh, the hurricane game, if you will, the Monday night football sure. game where 60 mile an hour wins were the only thing that stopped Josh Allen. Yeah, 30-plus point victory for Buffalo. A bit of an uneven season. Joe Marino, of course, the draft network and locked on bills. Uh, but now, one five straight. Confident that they can continue things, continue the surge throughout the playoffs? Yeah, you know, Bo, it's been a, it's been a frustrating season from the perspective of, yeah, they, did, they won the division, they had a good record, but you just knew that this team was extremely capable. And they hadn't always played to their potential. Early in the season, you start four and one. Then you have this very inconsistent roller coaster in the middle. Then you close on a high note. Really, since the second half of that Tampa Bay game, they found their game, right? And have won four straight going into the playoffs, now a fifth game in a row. You talk about playing your best football at the right time. I think we can all agree that that's exactly what's happening with the Buffalo Bills. And very rarely is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots on the wrong side of history. We go to our guy, Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots. who has been doing great work all season long. And Mike, this Pats defense was top five all season long. Were they exposed on Saturday night or was it Buffalo just being special? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you, Bo. I think in a lot of ways, this Buffalo offense right now is clicking on so many cylinders. There's so many ways that they can beat you. Josh Allen seems to have an answer for everything that the Patriots throw at him. If they try to overcompensate, keep him in the pocket, he's able to utilize the check down and he's able to get short yardage when he needs to. And this is something that a couple of years ago, Josh Allen would have taken that Belichickian bait. He would have gone for that. He didn't do that last night. He was patient. He knew how to draw his reach. He could draw the defense in, and every time they tried to rush, that offensive line of the Buffalo Bills was able to lead him past the uh, the quarterback, past Josh Allen, and Allen was able to extend plays with his legs. And then when they wanted him to throw the ball, he was more than capable of doing so. So a lot of credit needs to be given to the Buffalo Bills offense, but at the same time, the Patriots need to get younger. They need to get quicker on defense. Their pass rush does not have that same explosiveness, and it really showed last night. The linebackers just seem to be a step too slow. They need help covering in the secondary. The cornerback position is going to be something the Patriots need to address and need to uh, address in the offseason. But I think it was just a perfect storm of both the Buffalo Bills being the superior team and the New England Patriots realizing that they have some holes to fill there. Yeah, the six-time Super Bowl champs, they uh, they rebounded nicely from just a seven-win season the previous year and back into the postseason contending all the way into the last week for the AFC East title. Um, disappointing loss, but overall this season being deemed a success? I think you have to look at going into this season with a rookie quarterback with a number of new faces and some question marks and look, uncertainty surrounding what was going on with this team right up until cutdown day when you looked at Cam Newton essentially being released. I think a lot of people thought, myself included, that the plan was to bring Cam in and have him be the starter this year. In that regard, going 10-8, and returning to the postseason after a one-year absence, I would say it's a success. But what makes this season even more of a success, Bo, is discovering that Mac Jones is not just the quarterback of the future. He's the quarterback of the present. Patriots did well with him this year. He'll continue to grow in year two. We haven't recapped the only upset of the weekend just yet, but how did the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers do against the seven-seeded Philadelphia Eagles? And for the second straight week, the Niners had a dramatic finish. I got to tell you about the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. Everybody's got New Year's resolutions, right? Is yours to get into shape? Is it to eat healthier? Well, let Built Bar 
Be your secret weapon for your New Year's resolution and a part of your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. I heard that they were doing blind taste tests, and the Built Bar protein bar was beating candy bars in just pure blind taste test. And Built Bar, you don't have to compromise anything as far as healthiness, nutrition. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar that usually is around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's going to be your secret weapon for keeping your New Year's resolution of getting in shape and eating healthier. Why don't you save some money, too? You're budgeting in the new year? Well, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Bo Brock hanging out with you on a Monday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free across all platforms, including our new YouTube channel. The first of three games on Sunday featured the defending champs in the seven-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady. And the Bucks are on to the divisional round after defeating the Philadelphia Eagles pretty handily. 31-15, Brady threw for 271 yards, two touchdowns in the victory. Mike Evans caught nine passes for 117 yards and a TD. Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, Tom Brady, playoff TDs. It's like death and taxes. It's a given. Gronk also grabbed a score for the Bucs. Jalen Hurts had a tough day under center in the shotgun for the Eagles. It was Hurts throwing for 258 yards in a TD, but also tossed two picks in the final game of Philadelphia's season. The Eagles end the year at 9-9 nine and nine after finishing the regular season as the final seed in the NFC. The Bucs got off to a hot start despite missing a bunch of their key members of their offense, cashing in three of four drives for points, 31-0 at one point in this game. Bring on David Harrison from Lockdown Bucks to talk to us about this contest. Who gets and deserves most of the credit for the team coming out of the gates on fire, David? Uh, I mean, I think everybody's going to, you know, the easy answer is going to be Tom Brady, right? But really, I think when you look at it, it's really just a team effort. It's everybody doing their part and making sure they're in the right place. Uh, early on in the game, I think you saw a little bit of a disconnect between Tyler Johnson, one of their, you know, lower wide receivers in the depth chart and Tom. Uh, but outside of that, you know, at least with with Tyler, he's at least where he's supposed to be, generally speaking, even if he's kind of cutting off his routes a little bit. But I think really what it boils down to is just everybody relying on each other to be where they're supposed to do, not to steal, you know, the Patriot way type of mantra or anything. But I think when you're down all of these playmakers and even some of your returning playmakers are coming back for their first week of action since like earlier mid-December, uh, you kind of just have to rely on everybody to do their lone part. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to be the hero for the day, just let the team operate the way they're supposed to. I think that's really what happened. Yeah, you know, the offense obviously gets a lot of the headlines with Tom Brady under center, but, you know, we remember the Super Bowl last year. It was the defense that balled out that game. Todd Bowles had an incredible game plan, and uh, he had an incredible game plan again on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why were they so effective? How could they shut down this rushing attack from Philly pretty easily? Yeah, well, I think it's similar to Tom Brady, right? Everybody always says, like, the second time you see Tom Brady is always going to be the hardest time you see Tom Brady. Well, Todd Bowles, I think, is very similar. You see the Eagles uh, back in week six when they when they beat them in Philadelphia, and then you have the tape that kind of goes from there. So if you're Todd Bowles, you already have experience against them. You kind of see where they've altered their game plan and changed things, and you kind of have an idea of where they're going to try to attack you. We all had kind of the feeling that Philadelphia is going to try to attack the perimeter uh, very early on. That's exactly what they tried to do in the players' Not only were ready for it, they were energized to go defend it, but then they were clean making tackles. 
up until, you know, uh, early fourth quarter towards the end of the third quarter. A couple drives there, things got a little sloppy. Uh, but for the majority of the game, uh, the defenders were not only in the right place, making the right reads. And, and, and when they got to the point of attack, they were also making strong tackles. A uh, weird moment in the game. Expect any fallout from Bruce Arians smacking safety uh, Andrew Adams in this contest? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, generally speaking, I think I'm on the side of the conversation where as a coach, as a leader, really in any organization, I don't think you really have the reason uh, to put your hands on anybody unless it's like a life-saving type of thing. Um, Andrew Adams didn't really seem uh, to be to be all that affected by it. I'm also inside of a lot of conversations where I don't like to be offended for somebody. Uh, if Andrew <laughs> Adams had a problem with it, I'm sure that he'll talk to his position coach, uh, B.A., directly. And if they need to, they go to the NFLPA. But I don't know, you know, there's some people who want Bruce Arians fired for it. I don't think it's going to go that far. I think everybody kind of understands it's a heat of the moment type of thing. And the coach is trying to keep his player from doing something uh, that was going to significantly hurt his own team. Uh, so the intention probably was in the right place. Uh, the way that it manifested itself, you know, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the right way to do things. Uh, but again, if Andrew Adams is okay with it, they have the discussion behind closed door. If everybody that's involved agrees to move forward, then I think that's probably what will happen. On the other side of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers kind of getting right in the super wild card round was the Philadelphia Eagles, who don't have to hang their head too low. I mean, it was probably the biggest surprise as far as all the 14 teams that made the postseason during the 2021 year. A hell of a run to the playoffs. And to talk about it, Gino Camilleri joins us from Locked On Birds, Locked On Eagles. And, uh, you know, the surprise run, Gino, Jalen Hurts in his final performance of the year, a pair of picks and the loss. Eagles armed with three first-round picks this offseason. Could they utilize that to maybe aggressively pursue a quarterback on the trade market or in free agency? Or has Hurts kind of earned another year as the signal caller for Philly? I said on our show right after the game that I think this is an exploratory offseason for everybody on the roster. I might say there's three or four guys that have – their position cemented, I would say, Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata, Jason Kelsey, guys along that line have their position cemented. But everybody else, it's going to be up in the air. And I think with those three first-round picks, with all the money that they have, Howie Roseman talked about optionality when he got those picks, when he traded away Carson Wentz to have this money going into this offseason. They're going to look everywhere and try every avenue to upgrade this team. Because when you look at the result – of this 31 to 15 defeat at the hands of the Buccaneers, the Eagles got outgunned. They have to get more horses in that in that offense, in that defense to keep up with these good teams. You saw what the benchmark was today with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. If you want to get there, you're going to have to explore every outlet because clearly what you have on the field isn't enough to be in that great threshold where you want to get to. We're now at the game of the day of Sunday and the upset of the weekend. It was the 49ers running their way to the NFC divisional round of the playoffs. Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel both ran for touchdowns as the Niners held off the Cowboys 23-17 in the wild card round from Arlington at the Jerry Dome. Mitchell finished with 96 yards rushing while Samuel had 72 on the ground and 38 through the air. Pretty pedestrian performance from Jimmy Garoppolo in the victory, 16 for 25, 172 yards. He did have a crucial interception in the second half that got Dallas right back in the contest. The Niners entered the contest three and a half point underdogs and of course a lower seed, six compared to Dallas that was the third seed in the NFC and San Francisco was able to weather the storm after having Two of their key defensive players knocked out of this game due to injury and pass rusher Nick Bosa and linebacker Fred Warner. 
Yeah, it was a wild finish at the Jerry Dome in Dallas or Arlington, and uh, the Cowboys end up falling as time expires. They couldn't get a playoff or they couldn't spike the ball. Some controversy surrounding the final play of that game, but the Cowboys fall 23-17 in what was a very sloppy effort, I think, across the board. Even the most passionate Cowboys fans could probably admit that. Dak Prescott was sacked five times, 14 penalties in the game, but uh, I bring on Landon McCool from Locked on Cowboys. Landon, what, in your opinion, was the biggest reason for the Niners' success? I mean, I think you mentioned it, sloppiness in general. The team just yeah. didn't seem to come out of the gate ready to play football. Uh, it took them like three and a half quarters to uh, kind of come alive even a little bit on offense. And, you know, they just kind of seemingly uh, rolled out the same kind of vanilla uh, game plan that they've been running out for seemingly the last, you know, month. Um, they didn't seem to take any extra chances or have any extra urgency to the fact that it was the playoff game. Um, you know, I honestly would have liked for them to come out with a little bit more urgency and pace early in the game and, and kind of get the ball going and put them in disadvantageous position. But they wanted to come out uh, with the normal game script, uh, which, you know, I think obviously ultimately bit them in the butt at the end. It's interesting when you look at it as a whole because it, you can't nail down just one thing. I mean, you could say it was sloppy overall sure. and it was undisciplined. As I mentioned, the 14 penalties, the five sacks. There's several things that that stand out to me as unacceptable. CeeDee Lamb, one reception in this game, didn't get a whole lot of looks in this contest. Zeke wasn't effective on the ground, 12 carries, 31 yards. I mean, what, what, who, who's to blame for all of that? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, despite having uh, uh, some great numbers overall in the season, I, I think it's hard not to look at what C.D. Lamb did this year and not be disappointed. It's, I mean, I think it's frankly not – I think it's hard to look at the wide receiver core and see what they've done overall uh, and not be disappointed. I, I you know, I, I haven't seen the, the All-22 tape yet, so I don't know how open folks were. But I know that C.D. Lamb had several opportunities – uh, to kind of get over against let, let uh, get open against lesser competition and, and fail to kind of late until later in the game, and then the opportunities that he did have, he had a huge drop on second down when they were at a point where they were driving down the field and they could have uh, could averted with a little bit closer uh, uh, chains. And and I think it's ultimately you know the, whether it's on Dak or the the offensive coordinator or the wide receiver, I think we can all agree that the passing attack at the at the end of the season and, and ultimately in this playoff game was extremely lackluster and, and disappointing. Real quick, I mean, significant changes you think will come this offseason? I, I, one way or another, I think they will. I mean, I think yeah. the Cowboys have a lot of free agents regardless and, and you know, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators getting interviewed for head coaching jobs. But, I, I mean, honestly, at this point, with the way that the Cowboys played in this game, uh, and over the last month, I'm I'm at the point where I'm kind of welcoming it. I, I think changes need to be made, and I think uh, if if this if this office if this coaching staff thought that doing the same thing was enough to kind of get them anywhere in the playoffs, then maybe it's time to kind of continue to reshift and, and get some some new blood in here. And we're not done yet. One more game to recap from the wild card weekend before getting to tonight's Monday night matchup. A matchup that has the Arizona Cardinals as three point, three and a half point dogs on the road against the LA Rams. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sport wagering action in 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. 
you would receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use the promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put it a hundred bucks, you get 50 free dollars to help build your stack for free from football, hoops, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. A big thank you to you for making the Lockdown NFL podcast your first listen each and every day. Of course, we're free and available on all platforms, including our new YouTube channel. Great daily content being posted there, including nine interviews from this podcast alone. It was the Chiefs making a statement to wrap up the wild card weekend. Patrick Mahomes tossing five touchdowns and Kansas City overcame a sluggish offensive start to double up Pittsburgh 42-21 from Arrowhead. Travis Kelsey was on the receiving end of a TD toss and threw one of his own to Byron Pringle, who had two touchdowns in the contest. Ben Roethlisberger threw for 215 yards and two touchdowns in the final game of his career. NFL sack king TJ Watt added a sack in the loss for Pittsburgh. To talk about the Chiefs' big victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs. So, Chris, the Chiefs' offense goes punt, punt, Pick, punt, fumble, return for it. Then they proceed to score touchdowns on six consecutive drives. How did they jumpstart that offense after that kind of really brutal start? You know, it's hard to say other than they got Travis Kelsey and they got Tyree Kill involved. Uh, <laughs> those guys were involved in the first couple of drives. And when you throw a pick like he did early on in the game and then you have that fumble uh, that just gives them seven points, I, you know, I think that's a, a completely different ball game. Uh, if he you know, doesn't try to throw across his body on that specific play and then if Daryl holds onto the ball. Uh, but when you get Travis Hill, sorry, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill involved in the offense, good things happen. Big game rematch with Buffalo next week. Where do you think this Chiefs team really needs to sharpen up between now and then? Uh, I, I mean, not a mar- big margin for error against the team that basically scored on all their offensive drives. I think it's going to be a different game than what you saw against the Pat, the Patriots. Uh, Kansas City has a better team defensively, I think, than the Patriots do. I think it's you look at how they played so far this season. Uh, in the second half of the season, 17 points a game on defense. They only allowed 14 on defense tonight. So that's, you know, uh, against the Pittsburgh team that basically was shut down to, until the third quarter when Kansas City basically went to prevent. So uh, not saying that Pittsburgh can compare to Buffalo. They can't. Uh, Josh Allen is a completely different quarterback, obviously, and you have to worry about that. Um, but I think Kansas City's defense is going to be up for the challenge a lot better than they were the first time around earlier this offseason or earlier this season. Sorry. Yeah, it was a tough night for the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday night football, the last game of the weekend before we've got one more on Monday night between the Rams and the Cardinals. To talk about the side of the Steelers, Chris Carter, who's been doing great work, of course, on this very podcast, the Lockdown NFL podcast and Lockdown Steelers. Chris, uh, surprising to see the defense at the end of this game when it was all said and done plays poorly as it did. 
I wouldn't say it's surprising. This was a defense this year that was living off of its biggest playmakers. This isn't the 2019 Steelers defense that, you know, they had really good cornerbacks with Hayden still playing very at a high level and Nelson playing at a high level and Mika Fitzpatrick playing at a high level and Stephon Tewitt and Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Bud Dupree and a rookie Devin Bush who was still healthy at the time with Vince. Like that, that whole team was built together. This was a defense. They were the worst rushing defense in the NFL. I said all week long, they were going to need to drag Kansas City down into the mud and fool them long enough and get things to bounce their way long enough to make this a, a, a real game. They did that for for the first like 20 minutes of the game. Heck, mm-hmm. they forced three punts, an interception, and re- returned a fumble for a touchdown. If you had said that those were the first five drives of the game, I would have said that's the best chance Pittsburgh has at, yeah. at winning it. But when you get one or two first downs – during all of that, all of that time that the defense is dominating, this defense was not built enough to win that way. They needed the offense to respond. It took way too long for Ben Roethlisberger and the offense to put anything together. And then once that happened, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were just like, "Oh, that's right, we can do this." Right? Yeah, it was a it's a great point. And um, just now, Big Ben, the career's done officially. A couple, a, a game, an extra game. I think that a lot of people didn't expect. How do you kind of s- Summarize the season and, you know, kind of they lost big to a playoff team. You know, what do we expect for the Steelers going forward? I mean, they're not just a quarterback away. Is that fair to say? No, it's definitely fair to say. Uh, You know, one thing, Mike Tomlin wasn't too happy with his receivers in this game because even Ben, as limited as he was, there were plays that he got to his receivers and they dropped them. And this was a game where if you went down, you wanted to go down fighting with the younger guys on your team being the ones who weren't the ones letting things up. Like it was just like, Hey, you know what? Just a great play by Patrick Mahomes. But when you see Deontay Johnson dropping passes, a guy who had the 10th most receiving yards in the NFL this year and was their hopeful wide receiver one moving forward in a big game, you wanted to see him step up and at least deliver what he could. And he did not do that. I, you know, I, I look at situations like that. This team, this, they're about to have a ton of money in free agents in, in free agency, the most money they've had in the past, I'd say, 20 years even. And this is going to give them an opportunity to really invest and say, do they, what do they want to do with the offensive line? What do they want to do at cornerback? What do they want to do with the defensive line to see if Tua and Alulu can't be back? There's a lot of places they could put their money, and that's going to be the identity, identity of the Steelers. I don't see them going and just gra- grabbing another franchise quarterback like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or any or Derek Carr or any of the number of names that are floating around. I see them signing a cheap veteran, maybe a Nick Foles, a Marcus Mariota, drafting a guy in the earlier rounds of the draft and saying, okay, you rookie, you vet, and you Mason Rudolph, head into camp, figure it out, but this team is not going to be about you. It's going to be about the, these this offensive line we basically just paid for and drafted, and then it's going to be about that defense that we've reinforced and that should play at a higher level next year. That's the Steelers' ticket to competing in 2022 in my book. The wild card round wraps up with the Cardinals facing the Rams in the first ever Monday night playoff game tonight. You'll get the full Monday night treatment. Of course, you've got the regular broadcast. You've got the Manning cast. Can't wait for that. The Rams take on the Cardinals. SoFi Stadium kickoff, 8-15 Eastern, 5-15 Pacific. L.A. comes into the game as the fourth seed, while Arizona's the fifth-seeded team. It's a grudge match between the two NFC West foes. They split their season two-game series, one and one. The 11-6 Cardinals took the first matchup in Week 4, 37-20, thumped them, and then the Rams 
They answered on Monday night showdown in week 14, 30 to 23. Matthew Stafford enters the contest 0-3 all-time in the playoffs, but his head coach Sean McVay is 9-1 against Arizona all-time since taking over the Rams' head coaching reigns. Kyler Murray and head coach Cliff Kingsbury 1-5 versus L.A. Well, the Rams have intercepted and sacked Murray more than any other opponent in his young career. The winner visits Tampa in the divisional round. In other divisional round action next weekend, the Niners visit the Packers, the Chiefs host the Bills, and the Bengals travel to Tennessee. And the winner from tonight will take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some non-playoff news real quick. According to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, just like last year, sources say Russell Wilson wants to explore his options to see what else might be out there for him. Of course, Russ missed a couple games, injured his finger, had to have it surgically repaired, struggled coming back, and then kind of found his way by the end of the season. Big win over Arizona in the regular season finale for Seattle. Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll isn't going anywhere. ESPN is reporting that Carroll's job status was not a topic of discussion in the end of the season meeting he had with the team owner Jody Allen. The 70-year-old Carroll is under contract through the 2025 season. Seattle general manager John Schneider is signed through the 2027 draft. The Seahawks finished 7-10. and It's the first team's first losing season since 2011 since Carroll and uh, Wilson teamed up in 2012. It appears Carroll has some pretty good job security. That's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Network for all the breaking news. Also, follow me on Twitter at Bob Rack, your host, Bo Brock, and listen to Luke Braun and Ross Jackson recap tonight's Monday Night Showdown between Los Angeles and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, make Locked On Bets your second listen, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, who you heard today. An expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, just like this podcast, Locked On NFL Podcast.